Well, this morning we're going to continue our, our study. For the last few weeks, we've been in a, in a series called Embraced by Grace. And we're going to, we're going to look at, at grace today, and then we'll look next week, we'll finish it up. This morning, I, I want to just share a, a, a sermon with you, a, a lesson. I don't know exactly, I'm going to teach and illustrate a lot this morning. I don't know how much I'm going to preach, but I want to talk about being empowered by God, by grace, not empowered by God, but empowered by grace, empowered by grace. Grace empowers us. In 2009, there was a, a major ministry, a large ministry in the United States that commissioned a study across America. And that study questioned thousands and thousands. It wasn't just a handful. It wasn't a church or two. But it was thousands and thousands of born-again, Bible-believing, Sunday morning, church-attending Christians. Okay? Now, how would you like to have that label? But the survey asked this. It said, it asked people to give three or more definitions or descriptions of God's grace. I want you to think for just a minute. Now we're we're going to kind of enter the survey a little bit, all right? So so this is uh, you get to talk a little bit. You get to you get to tell me what you think. But just just think about it for a minute. What is a description or a definition of grace? What's common? I mean, if if, if somebody put you on the spot, stuck a microphone in your face, and you knew you had to say something, what 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 would you answer? Unreserved, undeserved favor, salvation, God's gift. Y'all know what? Y'all answered exactly what 98% of people that are born again, Sunday morning attending, Bible believing church members answered 98 Percent, and this is this, this is how it was. Number one was salvation. Number two was unmerited grace or favor or gift, and forgiveness of sins. We pretty much answered the same things. You know what? I praise God this morning that we are saved by grace. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, "For by grace, through faith, we've been saved." Amen. That you know it, it's it's grace. It's grace. And I, I thank the Lord that He poured out that gift on us that we don't deserve. It, it's a gift, and we don't deserve it. And I thank the Lord that because of that grace, our sin hasn't just been covered up. It's been eradicated. It's been wiped clean by God's grace. You know what? It seems that the church understands those definitions. We've got that. Uh, that, that's foundational truths that grace includes salvation it includes the fact that it's an unmerited gift and, and that it does bring about forgiveness of sins and like I said an overwhelming majority of, of believers know that 98% but now here's the bad part okay tragically 1.9% of those polled had a different answer, okay? They understood it to mean that grace is God's empowerment. I want you to let that settle just a second, okay? Don't, don't, don't get, don't turn me off. Most of us have been taught 
that grace is a gift from God. Amen? I mean, when I was, when I was learning uh, some of the, uh, the programs and some of the tools to, to do evangelism and, and to, how to go out and visit, one of the, one of the things was it is a, it's God's gift. And it is God's gift, okay? It, 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 that's gospel. And, and, and it is a benefit. It is a gift. He's gifted us with. It's free. It does bring salvation. It's, it's God's unmerited favor. He pours out on us. But folks, listen to me. Grace is so much more. Okay? It's so much more. In fact, grace is, is, is also the di- divine influence upon our heart. That's what it really is. It's, it's God's influence on our heart. And it's a reflection of that, that influence outwardly. See, there's more to it. Grace is empowerment. Without the grace of God, we can't do what God commands us to do. You do understand that. Amen? There's nobody here of their own willpower and their own ability or their capability able to do what God commands us to do in this book. But because of His grace, He's empowered us to do that. When a person experiences the grace of God, something happens. Amen? Okay? Something happens... And it happens on the inside. But what happens is, what happens on the inside is reflected through to the outside. Or listen to me, nothing's happened on the inside if nothing reflects on the outside. I'm going to say that again. If you've really experienced grace in here, it changes out here. It changes our attitudes, our actions. It changes the way we think. Folks, it, it, it's manifested. If it's been placed in your heart, if it's been manifested in your heart, it will manifest in your actions. It will manifest in your thoughts. It will manifest in your behavior. It will change you. Otherwise, it wasn't grace. It might have been a really good sermon that made you feel guilty. It may have been a very persuasive speaker that... that, that uh, encouraged you or manipulated you into something, but it wasn't grace. Okay, if if there's no change, if there's an inward change, there has to be an outward change. Okay. Now, I'm not trying this morning to make you doubt your salvation. So just relax. I'm not going there. That's not. I'm never going to do that. Okay. I just don't believe in that. But what I want you to understand that is this morning that grace is so much more. And a free gift. It's so much more than, than salvation. It's so much more. Folks, it's empowerment. And I hope by the end of this, this, this sermon this morning, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Let me give you an illustration. In, in the book of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit came. And one of the last things that Jesus said is, when, when the Holy Spirit comes... You're going to become my disciples and you're going to spread out. You're going to move out from Jerusalem. And you're going to take this message that I've been pouring into you for the last three and a half years. You're going to take it to, to Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, it's just going to go. Well, guess what happened? They didn't go anywhere. They stayed real close to Jerusalem. They went to the temple. 
So what happened is God had to turn the heat up a little bit and persecutions came to Jerusalem. The, the, the Jews, the religious Jews begin to persecute the Christians. They begin to persecute the followers of Jesus and, and slowly they begin to move out. Well, what happened is some of those believers went to a city called Antioch. Most of you have heard of Antioch. Antioch's in Syria. And Antioch, uh, something wonderful happened there. Revival broke out. And, and, and they began to turn the city of Antioch upside down. Antioch was a, was a pagan city. It was, a, it was one of the two most important cities in the east. It was located in a, in a, in a prime location. It was on the spice trade route. So all the spices that came from the far east came through Antioch and went to the rest of the Roman world. It was on the Silk Road, all the silk came through Antioch. And it was also on the, on the royal road from Persia. It was, a, it was a major city in a major place. And guess where the Holy Spirit led the believers to? You know what I've learned is God uses minimum effort for maximum effect. You ever heard, been told you could work hard or work smart? God works smart. So what's He do? He sends them to Antioch. And what happens in Antioch is they begin to turn the world upside down. And it gets back to Jerusalem. And so the apostles send some delegates up there to check it out. And, and the reason I say this is because I want you to understand that grace is not just something that happens in here. It's something that can be seen. And so they send Barnabas. And when Barnabas gets there, in Acts, 13, excuse me, Acts 11, 23, this is what the verse says. Then when he, and it's talking about Barnabas, when Barnabas arrived and witnessed the grace of God. Barnabas is a big deal, okay? He's, he's, a, he's a major player in the early church. He gets to Antioch, and all of a sudden he sees something they hadn't seen before. He, he, he begins to see it. He didn't hear. He didn't go and say, now tell me what you're teaching or preaching. He didn't go to the church and to the pastors and to the leaders of that church and say, okay, let me hear your theology. Let me know what you guys are teaching and preaching here. And tell me how this is working. And are you doing this? And are you doing that? What he did is he went and he observed. He witnessed. He saw something. Folks, you know what he saw? He saw the changed lives of pagan people who a few months before were worshiping idols and living uh, immoral lives. They were, they were running wild. And all of a sudden he sees people who are following after Jesus, who are loving people and, and serving people and, and giving of their own heart to people. He witnessed something. Folks, he couldn't see in their heart. But he saw their actions. He saw the empowerment of grace being lived out in their actions. And he saw it in their words. He saw the power of God's what he saw. He saw the grace of God worked out. Folks, he didn't hear about it. He saw it. He saw it. He saw it. Folks, grace is what empowers us to live out the life of Christ. It's manifested through the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to this. Grace is God's power manifested in our lives. 
Okay? It's more than just salvation. Grace is more than just a ticket that one of these days when we take our last breath, we'll guarantee that we get into heaven. It's more than that. It's more than, than a fire insurance policy that keeps us out of hell and slides us in just by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin into heaven before the gates shut. Okay? It's more than that. It's an empowerment to live the Christ life right now. Right where you are. Y'all are looking at me like y'all are the 98% who, who believe the other way. That, that's why I'm sharing this this morning, okay? Folks, everything we need to live the Christ life, everything has been given to us already in grace. Listen to what Peter says. In Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2 and 3 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Everything we need, folks, Peter says, has been given to us through grace to live the Christian life. Grace has empowered us to live godly lives. It's empowered us uh, to live uh, the life of Jesus no matter what we encounter, no matter what our situation is. We have the power to overcome it. Nothing. I'm going to say no thing. Okay, that's what nothing is. No thing, nothing can overwhelm the power of grace if we choose to use it. Now, this grace is, a, is a, really a dynamic force that does more than just affect our standing with God. It, it gives us more than just righteousness, folks. Grace affects our experience with God. It affects what we do. It affects how we live. Grace is always marked by God's enabling work within us to overcome our helplessness. Let's just be honest this morning. Are any of you helpless? Are there things, I, I don't mean in everything, but are there things you just can't seem to overcome, get out of, have victory over? Folks, grace has been given us to overcome those things. We, don't have, we can't just say, well, well, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way I am. The devil made me do it. We, we can't say that. Because we've been given grace. When Paul prayed, if many of you remember in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about an experience that he had where he was caught up in the third heaven. And he saw things, he, literally he saw things and heard things that were so beyond what he could understand that he couldn't even, he couldn't even speak of them. And then he says this, a, a, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now I want to ask you a question. Who gave him the thorn in the flesh? Some of you would say God. I don't think God did it. Okay, now that's just my own opinion. I don't think God gave him that thorn in the flesh. Okay? A lot of people think that thorn in the flesh was some kind of sickness. So I sure don't believe God gave it to him because I don't think God gives sickness to people. Okay, now you may disagree with me and that's fine. I don't, I'm not sure it was a sickness. I don't think it was a sickness. Because uh, Peter, I mean, Paul says that he, he went to the Lord three times and he petitioned God 
to remove it from him, to take it away. And you know what God said? 2 Corinthians 12, 8 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected when you are weak. I don't know if, if you'll agree with me on this, but the Apostle Paul, if you just read him, he's sort of close to being arrogant. I mean, he's, he's borderline. He, he would, if, if given a little bit, he would drop over into the arrogant place. I mean, listen, we all have our problems, okay? But what happened is, is Satan, I believe, took an opportunity and he put something in Paul's way that constantly was there. Now, I don't know what it was, okay? Some people say it was, it was physical, that it was eyesight. Uh, I don't know. Some people say it was persecution everywhere he, he went. I don't know. But whatever it was, there was something there. And, and Paul understood it. He understood where it came from, and he understood what it was. And so he went to God about it. He prayed about it. Not once, not twice, but three times. And I believe he really got after God. I believe, uh, you know, the text doesn't say that, this, but I believe he probably fasted. And he probably, you know, he, he went after God. He didn't just say, oh, God, by the way, I've got this problem. Would you take it away? He, he did everything he could to get hold of God so that God would, would, would answer him. He, he laid everything aside. And finally God said, you know what, Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is manifested in you when you're weak. In other words, what, what, what God is saying there, literally that word weak means inability. He's saying, he's saying, uh, my grace, my power is at its optimum when you are the most unable to do anything. That's when my power is the greatest. You see, folks, the Christian life's not about us doing things. It's about God working through us. It's about God doing it. When we surrender ourselves to Him, He works. When we try to do it, what happens? We limp along, okay, or stumble, or mess up. And folks, the grace I'm talking about this morning is, is the same kind of empowerment. Empower, it's the empowerment to live the Christ life. And, and I believe, you know, based on Scripture, that that's the primary meaning of grace. That's why God gave it. Okay? He wanted a group of people, okay, a family of people to be able to live the Christ life. Okay, that was his ultimate goal. Now, yes, he had to save them. Okay? He had to forgive their sins. But ultimately, he wanted a nation, a priesthood, whatever metaphor you want to use that Scripture uses, a people who would, who would be his body, who would be here on this earth in living color and flesh out Jesus. That was God's goal. And so God's... Free empowerment, God's grace gives you and me the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Now, tragically, the study I mentioned earlier, if it's correct, and, and hey, we proved it out, I think. If it's correct, there are less than two people in this room who understand this. Because there's almost a hundred here. Two people. 
Now, what that means is if we don't understand it, we're not living it out. We're not accessing it. We understand the secondary meanings. We, we understand that, that grace is, a, is an unmerited gift, which it is. And we understand that it brings salvation, which it does. But what we don't understand is that it's the empowerment to do what God's called us to do. So what happens is we only experience a portion of His grace. That's where most churches are. Now, please hear my heart this morning. Don't misunderstand me. It is vital that we take the gospel to the nations. It's vital that we take the gospel to our communities, to our neighbors. If we don't take it, people don't hear about Jesus. But that's not the end of the gospel. The gospel is also giving them not just the message that will take them out of hell, but will give them the message that empowers them to live here like they're going to live when they get to heaven. Okay, so there's more to the gospel than just salvation. That's just the front door. Y'all heard me say that. The empowerment is the rest of the house. Sadly, we're not doing that. Let me illustrate. I mean, this illustration is going to be sort of long. It's going to be sort of drawn out. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the story that I'm going to tell. But listen to me because I've got a, a, a point. Now, we have a partnership in Potas, Mexico. We've, we've, been, we've gone on a couple of mission trips down there, and I've had the privilege of going and, uh, and, and teaching uh, the pastors and the church leaders in that city. I'm going to get to go back again this year, and hopefully in, in uh, September we're going to take another team down to do uh, mission work. But Potas is, a, is, a, is, is located in the mountains, and then there are the Sierra Madres are all around. I mean, when you get up early at the, at the mission compound there at the Mexico Mission Outreach and you go out, there's some rocking chairs. And you can sit in those rocking chairs and you can just look up at the mountains. And I'm going to just tell you, it's the most amazing thing. They change moment by moment. They, you can just watch it. You know what? In those mountains, people live there. Now, I've never, I've never had the chance to go up into the mountains. I've only had the chance to go out into the villages there in the area that we've been to. But there are people who live there, and there are some very remote villages there. In fact, uh, in talking to some of the uh, people that are connected with the outreach center, the only way you can get there is by four-wheel, four-wheeler, or horse. Okay? So... This is, the rest of this illustration is hypothetical, okay? I don't know this to be true, but it, it would almost seem true. I would imagine that there are some villages up there that are so remote that they don't have running water. In fact, I know they don't have running water, okay? That's not remote. Which means they have to go somewhere and get their water. Let's just imagine there's a village up there, and they have to walk two miles to a stream, a mountain stream, to get their water. And then they have to walk back two miles. Now, I want you to think about your home, where you live, and how much water it takes every day. So all the water they need, they have to carry. They have to go after they have to carry it back. Now, if they can't grow it in that village or find it in those mountains, they've got to walk 15 to 20 miles down to Potus and buy it. And then they've got to carry it back 15 or 20 miles to their village. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay. 
that's not far-fetched. That happens every day in much of the world. Much of the world today spends most of the day carrying water from wells that are not very good anyway. But they spend most of their time, spend most of their time of day carrying water. So let's just imagine that when we go down on our trip to Pottus, Armin, who kind of oversees and whom God birthed this vision, and he says, hey, let's, let's go up into the mountains. I, wanna, I, want, I want you to see some of the villages up in the mountains. And so we trek all day long, and we finally come to one, and, and we are met by the, the people that live in that village, and, and, the, and they've got sort of an unelected leader. I don't know what you would call him. He's not a chief, okay? He's not a mayor, but he's just kind of the, he's just kind of the leader. And so he comes out, and, and we get to know him, and we listen to him, and we, we just observe. We see the people carrying the buckets of water, and we sort of realize, man, they've got it pretty tough. So we come home, we begin to pray, God, how can we help this village? What can we do? And so we decide that, you know what, we're going to show them favor. We're going to uh, uh, pour out our graciousness on them. We're going to help them. We see a need that they have, and we're going to try to meet it. And so what we do is we give them an unmerited gift, a gift that's very gracious. And when I tell you what the gift is, you'll understand why I mean it's so gracious. We decide to buy them a brand-new four-wheel drive pickup truck with a crew cab. I think Connie's got me a picture up here she's going to put up. Now, I picked Chevy because I'm a Chevy man, but if you're a Dodge Ram guy, you pretend it's a Dodge Ram, and if you're a Ford Tough, you go Ford and all the rest of them. We decide to get them a four-wheel drive pickup truck, sort of like that. And we decide that, that, you know what, we're going to give it to them. We've seen a need. We want to meet that need. It could change the life of that village. And so we do that. And we purchase the vehicle. And we ship it through customs. And we pay all the taxes. And let me just tell you, the taxes from America on a new vehicle are substantial because the, the Mexican government does not want new vehicles brought from America down there. Okay? If a truck or car is not 10 years old, they put so much tax on it that we can't, you can't hardly do it. They want, you, they want their people to buy vehicles from Mexican dealers. Okay? And you, before you get too upset, that the United States does the same thing in, in other ways. And so let's just imagine we've paid all the taxes, and, and then we've driven it down there personally. And when we get there, we, we, we're all excited. Man, we're going to the village, so we start down off the road, go out to the mission center. And it's a dirt road. If you've, if you've been, you'll know what I'm talking about. The road that it's on is kind of rough, but it's not very bad compared to the dirt road that goes to the center. Well, past the center, the road's in, and there's just kind of trails. And then you've got to go up a riverbed. Finally, you pull this good-looking truck up in the middle of that village, and you get out. And, man, people come from everywhere. And they crowd around, and they're looking at this truck. They've, they've seen automobiles, okay, but they've, nobody in the village has one. Nobody in the village drives. They've seen automobiles. They've seen trucks when they went to Pottus. And, and so we, we finally get there. We park it, and we invite the leader to come and see. And when he gets there, we've got a smile from here to here. And we say, this is our gift to you. This is our gift to you. Folks, that's, that's our definition of grace. And so what we do is we ask him, we ask him to get in the, the front seat of the truck with us. And, and one of us, you know, I don't know who it would be, but one of us would get in there with him. And, and, and we'd just we'd start it up. We'd crank it up. 
And we say, you know what? This truck is amazing. Now, I know it gets hot down here in the summertime. You know what? When it gets 104 outside, you can get in this truck and you can turn this knob right here. See this knob with the blue on it? Turn this knob and you can punch this button in just a minute or two. It'll be 72 degrees. I don't care how hot it gets out there. 72 degrees. But that's not all. I know it gets cold up here in the mountains every night. I don't care how cold it is out there. You get in here, you see that little red knob there? You just twist it a little bit, punch that button, and it'll be 75 degrees. It can be snow on the ground outside, and you can have 75 degrees. Man, we're smiling, we're excited. But that's not all. We had this truck outfitted, okay? We didn't just take him a stripped-down model because it was cheap. We took him one with everything. This one has an XM satellite radio. And so we, we, we point his attention to that satellite radio, and we say, hey, you know what? You could tune this knob in right here, punch this button, and you can get music from anywhere. You can get the hottest stuff from Mexico City right here. You can hear talk radio. You can hear music. You can hear whatever else there is on there, sports talk. You can, you can do all that, but that's not every. That's not it. You see this little thing right here? It's a DVD player. I just, we, we brought you some DVDs, and you pop one in, and all of a sudden, man, there's a movie up there, and, and the sound in that thing is just awesome. And, and he's just kind of blown away. But listen, that, it does more than that. You can pop a CD in there, and you can listen to, to praise music and worship music. And we get out, and the leader says, well, what are we going to give you for this? I mean, we're poor. We don't have anything. And we say, look, no, 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 no. This is our gift to you. This is yours. You don't owe us anything. This is yours. And we reassure him that we don't want anything. In fact, we, we, you know, we tell him, you can't even buy this from us. We give it to you. It's a free gift. It's grace. Because we love you. And then we leave. And we go back to the Mexico Outreach Center. And we come home. Well, just imagine, a few months from then, I get a phone call from Armin. Armin, what's going on? Oh, man, everything's great down here except one thing. I said, what's wrong? He says, you know that village we went up and left the truck at? Yeah, man, what's wrong? He said, they're still walking to get water. I said, you're kidding me. No. And he said, I saw a bunch of them in town buying supplies. I said, they had the truck, didn't they? He goes, no, they didn't have the truck. They were walking. And I go, what do you mean? I can't believe that. You know why they're not driving the truck? Because we neglected them to tell them what the primary use of a truck is for. We forgot to tell them that it's for transportation. We pointed out all the wonderful qualities. It's got four-wheel drive. It's got a radio. It's got a DVD player. It's got a heater and an air conditioning. But we didn't tell them that they could use it to go get water. See, none of them have ever driven before. They've seen vehicles, but they, they don't know how they operate because they, they, don't, they don't have them. And so we've left them with a new truck and still sitting right exactly where we left them. <laughs> they know the secondary uses of the pickup truck, but they don't know the primary use. 
Folks, that's what we've done with grace. That's what we've done with grace. God has given us a four-wheel drive vehicle, and we're inside of it playing with the knobs to see how warm we can get or how cold we can get, who we can keep out and who we can get in, and the movies we can watch instead of driving around in it and using it to take us where we need to go. See, that truck would empower that village. One person could take the truck and all the water buckets and in less than an hour bring all the water back the village needs. One person could go for supplies and the rest of the village could do other things. And what would happen is that, that village would become more prosperous because they would have more time to do things. But what's happened is we've just given them the secondary uses of the truck and never shared with them the primary use. And folks, that's what we've done with grace. Yes. Knowing that it's a free gift is vital. It's important. Knowing that that because of that grace we can be saved is vital. It's important. Knowing that that it, it forgives our sins, that's important. But folks, we forgot to teach or to learn that it empowers us to live the Christian life. It's what carries us where we need to go. It's what enables us to do what Jesus called us to do. You see what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Okay. In reality, if we went... At that point, you know what I'd do? I'd sit down and write a letter. I'd get somebody translated in Spanish, take it to this leader and say, look, all that other stuff I told you is important, but it's not nearly as important as what this truck will allow you to do in getting supplies and getting water. In the first paragraph, I'd put, this is to go transport you to haul water and supplies. And then later, I might, in the latter paragraphs, talk about the XM radio and the DVD player, okay? And then I'd end it by telling him it was, it was a gift. You know what? That's what God did for us. That's what this is. This is a letter that tells us how to use grace, okay? And yes, it tells us about the fact that it's a free gift, and yes, it tells us about the fact that it's, it, 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 will, it will bring salvation to us. And yes, it tells us that uh, it, it, it is the power to forgive sins. But you know what it also tells us? And, and in the beginning of, of the Gospel of John, it's one of the most important things. It tells us this. Listen to what John says. In John 1.16, he says, For by, or excuse me, for of his Fullness of Jesus' fullness. We have all received grace for grace. Now we read over that and we don't get a lot out of it. But what the Holy Spirit is saying in that one verse there is that we have been given an abundance. We've been given an overflow of God's grace. Literally, we have been given the fullness. Now listen to me. The fullness of Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. Through grace, we've been given His ability and His power. Now, this is going right over a lot of people's heads right now. Okay, so we have the power of Jesus. What do you mean? Well, let, let me give you another illustration. Let's just suppose somebody showed up this morning, and 
Suppose you're a struggling business person. Your business is struggling. Or maybe you work for a business and you're just out of ideas and you're the idea person. Well, imagine this person walked in and said, Hey, I've got a pill. We've had a breakthrough in science and in medicine. And I can give you a pill. It won't cost you anything. You just try it out. And contained in this pill is the fullness of the business mind and acumen of Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. And you're, some of you may go, who's Steve Jobs and who's Bill Gates? Bill Gates is Microsoft, okay? Steve Jobs passed away, but he's the Apple guy. Billionaires, okay? Creative geniuses. Revolutionized, folks, the way we live, seriously. You may not believe that, but those two men have revolutionized the world. And you get a pill, and you take it, and all of a sudden, you can think like they think when it comes to business. New ideas start to pop in your mind. And all of a sudden, you have abilities you didn't have before in business. And you begin to implement those, and you start to, to, to become, your, your business begins to grow, and you begin to make money. Would you take it? Okay, let me give you another illustration. <laughs> I'm going to give me an illustration. Let's just say somebody showed up to me with a pill like that and said, this will give you the ability to preach like Billy Graham. I'd beat the guy down on the ground and take it away from him, okay? <laughs> now, w would you take the other pill if it would help you? And what, let's just say you're in the medical profession, you're whatever profession you're in, but all of a sudden you got a pill that would give you the leader in that field's fullness that you could do what they would have done or could do like them. We'd take it, wouldn't we? Amen. Folks, we have been given the fullness of Jesus Christ. If you know Him today as your Savior, your Lord, you have His fullness. You have His grace residing in you. It's there. You've already taken the pill and didn't even know it. God took your head, put it in there, and pushed it down so you could never get it out. It's there. Folks, grace has given us the fullness of Jesus Christ. He's given us the fullness of God. Do you, do you sort of grasp the ability and the capability and the potential that's there within us? Folks, that's what the empowerment of grace is. We read a portion a minute ago from, from 2 Peter a few minutes ago. And I want to go back to the a verse that follows that and show you something. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it, it has this phrase, and I'm not going to read the whole verse, but it says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Now right now, I'm reading my Bible through, and I'm in Leviticus, and I'm going to confess to you, I'm hitting high points. Okay, I, I, I'll just be honest with you. But that's how we read the Bible very often. We, we hit a verse like this and we go, okay. We have become partakers of the divine nature. Folks, the word nature there describes the essential attributes or characteristics of God. That's what it means. We have begun... Be 
I'm so excited about this, I can't hardly stand it. We have become partakers. We share in. We have within us, however you want to define it, we have the divine nature of God within us. We become partakers. Of, we're not God, okay? Don't, don't go off down some crazy road. We won't ever be God, all right? But He's put His DNA in us. When we were born again, we got His stuff, okay? We're not just adopted. We're also, we have His stuff within us. The stuff we need to live the life He's called us to live. We're His sons and daughters. Which means we should look like Him. We should act like Him. It's been placed there. Folks, what I'm trying to say this morning is God, grace freely gives us the fullness of the essential qualities and characteristics of Jesus Himself. Jesus lives within us. What is your picture of that? Some alien being that exists within your body? Because that's what we act like. It's not. The Holy Spirit has, has indwelt us, which means he, he fills us. We are saturated down to our cellular level with Jesus, okay? And yet, I can't do that, Pastor. I can't do that. I just can't overcome it. Yes, we can. Well, I can't pray for healing. I just don't have enough. Yes, you can. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can because the grace that God has given us empowers us. All we have to do is quit playing with the radio and the heater. Leave that alone. It ain't going anywhere. And drive the truck. Mash the gas. Move it out of its place. Folks, the power of God resides in us. We just have to exercise it. I didn't know I was going to get excited. as excited about this before I started. Folks, God's grace, listen to me, has recreated every one of us who know Him to be a little Christ. To be a chip off the old block. To be the spitting image of Jesus. He's created us, folks, to live as Jesus lived. To do what Jesus did to be His body. Okay, I keep talking about that the last few weeks. It's more than a symbolic thing. It's a literal thing. We have been called to be the body of Jesus. We have been called to be His hands and His feet. Which means when the, when the head tells us to do something, the body doesn't do, go, I don't think I can do that. It just does it. Does your hand argue with you when you tell it to grab a fork and get a bite of steak? No, it just about stuffs that thing down your throat. You can't swallow fast enough. Amen? Or chocolate. I know there's some of you, I don't eat meat. Well, chocolate, okay? When you see chocolate, does your hand argue with your brain that it wants it? No. Then why are we arguing with the head and saying, I can't? Here's the best excuse, I mean the best wisdom I ever got from a teacher. You can't, can't never did do anything. You can, because God says you can. 
Folks, we can because the grace of God empowers us. I'm going to close with this verse and we're done. Okay? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the NIV version puts it this way. Whoever claims to live in him, to live in Christ, must walk as Jesus did. Now, Jesus' walk included everything that he did. John chapter 14. I mean, yes, no, let me look it up. I'll just go there. It is John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 13. Uh, Not 13. Verse 12, 14, 12. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, the things that I have done, you will do also. Really? Do y'all believe that? Are you seeing any evidence of it? Don't answer that. Because some of you are and some of you may not be. But Jesus said, the things I have done, you will do also. And then he ratchets it up a little notch. And he goes, and even greater things than I have done, you will do. Folks, we have the fullness of Jesus Christ dwelling within us. Not a drop or two. Not just a smidgen here, there, the fullness, which means we are overflowing, literally. It's full. There's, there's no more that can get in there. The fullness of Jesus Christ, which is his characteristics and his attributes, his ability, his capability. It has replaced our ability and our capabilities. That's what grace does. And it empowers us to do exactly what he said. So we have to walk. As he did. Folks, that's what the empowerment of grace is. Now, you can never walk out of here and say that nobody told me that. Nobody gave me the keys and showed me how to crank the thing up and put it in gear. Okay? Because that's what I've done this morning. If I didn't tell you how to drive it, okay? You just put it in gear and mash the gas. The Holy Spirit will drive it. Okay? He'll take you where you need to go. He'll show you what you need to do. All you have to do is say, you know what? Let's start the engine. Let's go. Let's move. Let's use that empowerment. Y'all with me? Everybody okay? Smile at me, okay? Okay. We've majored on the secondary stuff. Very, very vital, important stuff. But we've neglected the main point. We are a holy nation. We're a priesthood. We're a people. Whatever, whatever term you want to call it. We're a body. We're a building. Those are all biblical metaphors. But we were, we were brought to life. To live out the life of Christ. And demonstrate who Jesus is to the world. We were not just saved so we could go to heaven. Okay? I know that's going to just get right in there on some of you. But, but that's not the main reason God saved us. 
He saved us so that we could be little Jesus, little Christ. So that we would take the love of God to the world. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm through this morning. Folks, we've been empowered. Now, if we've been empowered, and I believe we have. In fact, I'm going to change that sentence. Since we have been empowered, okay, then we need to live that out. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it. You see that man over there? He needs somebody to speak a word of encouragement. Just, oh, God, 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 I don't, I don't, I can't talk. Yeah, yeah, you can. Just go. See that person over there on the bench, Nelson? They need to know I love them. Because they don't know me. But God, I, I, you know, I, I just can't remember this verse or that verse, and I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. Just walk over there. Open your mouth. I'll feel it. See that person in the Walmart that's limping there? Somebody needs to tell them that I can heal them and I want you to do it. Whoa, now, not in the Walmart, God. <laughs> not in the Walmart. They'll, they'll call and the, the police will come get me and I'll have to spend the night at the jail. Well, if that happens, then you get a, you've got a captive audience up there to share the love of God. Okay, but it's not going to happen. Okay, here's what's going to happen. That person's probably going to break into tears. And then you get to pray for them. See that person over there standing on the corner? Yeah, guy. They don't have enough money to buy groceries. I want you to go in there, get them some groceries, and come back out and just say, here, the Lord loves you. Take these. Jesus did those things. Jesus met people where they were. Whatever he saw the Father doing, he did. Whatever he heard the Father saying is what he said. That's all we've been asked to do. If God tells you to do it, He'll provide the means. Listen to me. He will provide the means to do it. And if you don't have the means and ability, He'll give you the means and ability and the capability to just do it. We just need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We just need to be empowered by grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.